0: When you set an MLS cup record and hold it for about three minutes. <laughs> it's that's so MLS. Oh, sad dupe. On North American Soccer Podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton.
1: Hello, very exhausted Nick Thornton. Hello, hello.
0: Sad, sad dupe noises.
1: Sad dupe noises. Ah, what a final. One for the ages. Uh, I saw a number of people being like, that is so MLS. That is so Major League Soccer. And it cast my mind back to when we started the show. And I was like, I hope our name is still relevant, you know, many years later. (laughs) Well, I needn't have worried because what a final.
0: It makes you say the name of the podcast for sure. That's the name of the Uh, show. I have to, I have to like over and over... Um, I keep having this this like almost resistance to branding that is soon that I was like, oh my god, I love this game, and then as soon as they were like, this is the greatest match that's ever happened, I was like, okay, do I love this game that much? <laughs> <laughs> but it was really good. It was. There it, to-
1: it is up there for sure. Greatest MLS final. I don't know. I think MLS. Cup is but or MLS's back has got to be up there with just strange things that have happened. But uh, certainly one to remember.
0: There haven't been put it this way. There haven't been a lot of games like this game Um, because obviously there was so much back and forth. This was even going into it. This was the uh, the two conference champions fighting, which I think hasn't happened since it was like two thousand three or two thousand five or something. Um, and you had consistent, a number of, of, uh, of lead changes in, in acquisitions, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that tremendous, whatever happened for LAFC in the shootout, um, the, the monkey's paw closed for someone.
1: Yeah, yeah, and certainly in terms of just, like, an entertaining game from just about the first whistle, yes, this game delivered on all fronts. Uh, Even when it was chippy and it didn't see, there wasn't a lot of goals per se happening, it was still high intensity, very high press um, from both sides, quick countering from both sides, great saves on either end, like, truly a bit of everything in this one. Um, And of course, LAFC emerged victorious in the end.
0: So what, so going into this, what was your, what were your hopes for this game? Which, which side were you, were you pushing, were you, were you hoping to see a particular side win out? Was there, uh, were you just rooting for the match itself?
1: As, yeah, as the, the, the neutral coming into this match, I felt like LAFC had a pretty good chance of winning it. Officially, I committed to the answer of Philadelphia. Just because Philadelphia was so dominant over New York City, I picked New York City as the MLS Cup winner, and I just thought the way that Philadelphia sort of handily beat New York, I was like, they they can do that to LA. I'm not sure that they will, but that was my locked-in pick. Um, But I certainly had no illusions of, like, LAFC's out of this one or doesn't stand a chance. I, I thought, like, Philadelphia can do it, and... The storyline is there, right? Of having missed out on it last year due to having basically the entire team out in health protocols. The story was kind of there for them to like to win it. Um,
0: also, also they had that the two years ago when they won the they won the supporter shield and then lost in the first round.
1: Mm-hmm. And like, I think it's fair to say of LAFC they sometimes choke in big games. The fact that they beat austin in the way that they did to me felt like okay this team's obviously legit there's definitely fair criticisms of them but you have that of any team clearly their quality is there so i definitely didn't feel too confident coming into this game having any idea (laughs) who would win and uh it turns out that felt pretty justified but what what were you sort of thinking heading into this one
0: well i had that feeling about that it was that was hopefully Philadelphia's time. Right. And and as much as, I mean, there's, there's some, there's some ins and outs in terms of the LA, the, like, I'm a little bit resistant sometimes to the idea of like LAFC being a club MLS loves, but there it's so well supported. The fans, obviously it was such an amazing memory for the people in attendance at that, uh, you know, on that day. Yeah. Um, and they have done so much to, you know, make that club a a, a great place to be in a, a great atmosphere. That they're sur- su- they surely deserve this wonderful, uh, the the wonderful time they're getting. Um, and you know, you can't say that they, you can't say the club hasn't, you know, spent. You know, they have they have Giorgio Chiellini yeah. and, and indeed Gareth Bale as uh, as as spare parts on the bench. Not a not a lot of clubs. In the world, can uh, you know n- n- not uh, clubs in any league, you know, would love to have that as a is a you know just a just sort of a nice thing to have around.
1: But it, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we we can dive into bail and all that a little bit more later. I had a the thought there, but
0: but uh, but but I but it was still you know they've they have uh, they have they've been up to the. The, the played a couple times, like you've said, they've had their opportunity in big games. They hadn't quite made it this far yet, but they did. They did what they needed to when it counted, and and certainly it was done in a um, an extremely entertaining fashion.
1: Yeah. So, do we want to walk through this this game um, and kind of recap? <laughs> I mean, the highlights would just be the entire thing, but. Um, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Let's 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 stretch out its its uh, its theatrical elements. First of all, before the game, uh, during the week when Kellen Acosta was asked, yeah. um, Kellen Acosta was asked in a uh, interview segment, um, "What is, it must be so amazing in Philadelphia right now? What is it like for you to represent the city?" And Kellen Acosta wearing a, a LAFC jersey, sitting in front of a a. Placard that said, Kellen Acosta, Los Angeles Football Club, said, I don't play for them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Do you mean
0: playing against Philadelphia? Yeah.
1: Uh, I thought he handled that really well. But also just sort of like a sad trombone noise of like, (laughs) this this is sports reporting in America about Major League Soccer in a nutshell right here. Just somebody wandered into the room and got the sport right.
0: Somebody was sentient. Somebody was sentient and, and and thought they had it, and 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 you know you never want to. You never want. You always want to look at these as a journalist. I always look at these things through parted fingers. Like oh no, um, but indeed it was Kellen Acosta scoring for the city of Philadelphia <laughs> on 28 minutes, um, on, off of a free kick, off of the off of the face of Jack McLean. Um, I almost wonder if that should be an own goal, because it it, it, McLean doesn't mean to do it, but he certainly looks like he heads it in.
1: Yeah, I think um, in the broadcast they said the justification there is because the ball is already headed on frame, they don't give the own goal if it's like a glance off of a player, if it's sort of headed towards goal anyway. Mm. I mean, I would argue that I think Blake probably gets that, if not for the deflection. Um, Because you see him sort of track the trajectory of the ball, and then obviously when it comes off McGlynn, it goes back the other way. But uh, that's what puts LAFC ahead in the 28th minute. And, like, up until that point, I felt like Philadelphia looked pretty good through much of sort of the opening phase of the game. Um, but certainly both teams really going at it and and having a couple of half chances.
0: That would be it for the first half. And then um, you get into the second um, and Daniel Gosdog gets the, uh, gets the, the shot that makes it one, one on 59 minutes.
1: Yeah. Um, That was a great goal. Uh, Just really well worked. And, and again it it does st- doesn't really feel like either team had like established dominance in it. I think that for me after the gazdag goal, you're like, well, I think that probably there's going to be more goals um throughout the rest of this match, and this is not going to stay one one uh and boy, did it not Jesus Mario gets one in the eighty third minute um and
0: off a corner one of uh, one of many set piece goals in this one
1: yep another set piece goal uh and then jack elliott returns the favor two minutes later in the 85th minute i think was that one not also offer a, off a corner or a set? Point? i
0: think that was a free kick
1: yeah right uh, and yeah it, it
0: very similar very similar whipped in header um on, on that goal as well
1: yeah and and that was kind of the interesting thing, right, is it was like the teams, I think it was always going to be a case of there needed to be absolute precision on the chances for them to go in, and both sides did that really well when the chances came. Um, there's a few howlers for sure in this one, but I think that's forgiven in a final. Um, and then the sort of the, the, like, the game's already got that going for it, so it's 2-2 in the 85th minute, Um and it stays that way and goes into extra time.
0: Again, two we're talking about two goals in the last 10 minutes that both of which both of which change the, the potential, you know, extra time situation.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and then of course, the, the biggest thing that, well, one of the biggest things that happens in extra time is Maxime Kropot is the last man back for LAFC, and he decides to go in for it. Um so this
0: is a this is like a this is like a, a breakaway that's happening in his direction.
1: Yeah, and I forget who who's the LEFC player that was running Adam. Oh, It Was the,
0: the the Philadelphia guy? Or Philadelphia, uh, sorry. Well, the the challenge so here was the Burke? It was, was, Burke, challenge it was Corey with this. Burke. Here was the challenge with this. Um is it the tooth it's like two two different sports things were happening at the same time. Um yeah. one of which was the the thing that really started happening first was the, the, what card and foul is appropriate in this situation? Because it certainly looked that you know the 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 Philadelphia player is launching it at high speed and goes flying. Um and and the first thing that Ismail Al Faf does is reach for a yellow card. Um and people are remonstrating with him. And then pretty soon after that, people realize that Crepeau has suffered a pretty serious injury. Um, yeah, I don't know that we have a clear explanation of exactly what has happened to him. Um, but it certainly looked like there was a, a, a leg, in, a leg break of some sort. Oh, um, yeah.
1: They... Yeah. I, uh, I went back and watched it so that others wouldn't have to. And like that leg is not. In its right position, it's not. They didn't play. Not good. You they don't want to. You don't want to go back and see it if you have.
0: I I felt bad. I did the I did the same thing, and I'm like, oh my god, why did I do that?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. Like, Immediately, you're like, and there's a reason why they chose not to show this, and I did this to myself. Obviously, uh, our thoughts are with Maxime Cropeau. It's yeah. just a, a horrifying thing to happen. But as as you say, like. As he's down and they realize this injury is happening, he's been given a yellow because of the denial of a goal-scoring opportunity because he fouls Corey Burke and does also injure Corey Burke in the process. So it's one of those, like, horrible things where you're like, it's a horrible injury to happen and you hope it doesn't happen to anybody, but, like, Maxime Cropo is the one that has gone in and fouled and, like, initiated this, and it's also... Like textbook red card, so not only is he on the pitch with a broken leg, or you know what appears to be a broken leg, you also know that that yellow is turning to a red, and it does. So he is sent off as, and then carted off the field. And and just what, and you can see Elfath's face is just like, I just don't want to do this. Like I'm sorry, but like I have to do this.
0: He didn't step up to like VAR and look at it. Which, you know, I don't think that we needed any slow motion frame-by-frames of that. No. So I'm glad that he didn't. Yeah. Um, but it was... But he, he's he got the... So he's got the red card in his hand. And he starts walking towards... And I don't know if the players say this or just the fans are screaming at the referee. Like, how could you be so callous? Just, just like... Just like... Like, like he gets a, a, a strong negative reaction. So he looks nervous. He puts the card back in his pocket. He walks around a little bit, and he comes back and he's like, "Is he all right?" Okay. And then he walks up while he's still on the ground and shows him the red card on the ground.
1: Yeah, which is Oof! like unfortunate. Like it's cold as hell, but like that's the job, and it's it's a red card. Like that's a foul. Um, obviously, not what Crepou was intending for either player. And um, as we say, our, our thoughts are with them because that's just. Awful. Um, Obviously, it's terrible for him. It's terrible for the Canadian men's national team uh, with the World Cup coming up. He's not going to be playing in that, obviously. A very tough loss. And this is the 116th minute. So forgive us for moving on here, but that's exactly what had to happen in the match. And uh, backup goalkeeper John McCarthy warms up and throws himself into the net for what is about to become an even stranger match. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, so all of this has happened. Um, you have this play where um, the ball is bouncing. I don't know if there's ever a full shot. I think that there might be some... Oh, there is! Right. It, it's discussed that if this play had stopped, where John McCarthy slaps the ball out of the air, then it would be discussed as like one of the amazing MLS Cup final saves. But... Um, it just so happens to pop out a little bit further onto Jack Elliott's boot, and who who taps it in on one hundred and twentieth one hundred and twenty plus four to give Philadelphia the lead.
1: And like the way that this game was going at this point, like that was obviously a sensational late goal. But it felt like there was still more in it. <laughs> like you know, yes. we knew there was going to be a lot of added time on top of the added time. Um, and did not disappoint, uh, golden, golden boy, Gareth Bale, who had not played in a month. I think it's like his third or fourth touch of the match. He's just in the center of the box, rises up over Jack Elliott, all six foot six of him for the header home at 120 plus eight minutes for LAFC to tie the game three, three at the death.
0: Before any of this had happened, they substituted Bale out for Carlos Vela. And I thought this, and I tweeted this, this will this will be either a very good decision or a very bad decision. Right. Because Bela is so important to that team. Um, he had not done... He, he, he had been successfully marginalized from the game, I think. Like, he was not really... He, you didn't hear his name too often, um, I had thought. Uh, but you'd have to wonder... You know, Bale has been, you know, a bonus at most for L E S C so far this season. Is that is there going to be is it gonna is it going to be a factor here? Um and
1: Turns out I just
0: it a think <laughs> it was a it was a huge he was the he was the guy who equalized. Uh Elliott had the MLS the latest MLS cup goal, the latest goal in playoff history at hundred and twenty plus four. Um, and then Bale scores at 120
1: plus 8 to even back up. Just unreal. And I I mean, I think when asked, Chirondolo had said earlier in the season, like, well, we've brought Bale and Chiellini, because people were like, well, does this not seem sort of surplus to the needs right now? And his point was like, in the playoffs, these are difference makers. And who's laughing now? Because you know, Bale had sort of become this footnote and people wondering, are we even going to see him in the final? Um and he comes in and obviously has a tremendous influence on the game. So that one worked out well for them. He was in
0: we can we can talk about I'll I'll will come back to this later. Let's move to the let's move to the shootout.
1: Yeah. So I don't have the the list of shooters in front of me, but like <laughs> this, for me, was one of those shootouts where it, like, it starts with, I think, uh, a save and a miss. And you're like, all right, how's this going to go? Um, and it was interesting to me to see Philadelphia come so far in this match and then just scuff <laughs> three PKs in a row. Um, I was
0: I was trying to explain, you know, how good... Andre Blake was. and he was, and he was was not bad in the shootout. No. Um, he gets the save on Chris Tello, and you think, oh my god, we're starting Teo. Uh, oh, I'm not Teo. Doing, uh, Teo. Yeah. Um, and you think, oh, he's this is this is not going to go. This is not maybe this is uh, this is the start of something. And then Gosdog, who had got his goal earlier in the game, has looked great all season. Looked stood up looked amazing and the goal the keeper is diving in the wrong direction and he puts it right over the bar
1: yeah yeah like really quite poorly taken penalties from philadelphia and um, in a game of you know back and forth and and such so evenly matched through so much of it it, it felt like kind of appropriate that when it mattered most and you just needed that extra bit of quality lafc was clearly the team that had that and just stayed calm and, and finished business off but the thing that I, I think like the biggest star of this match is a player who was on the pitch for some of the least amount of time and that's john mccarthy <laughs> that's uh, right. who won mls cup 2022 mvp as presented by audi for his troubles, uh, I think well-deserved because he comes up with a couple of massive saves in this uh, penalty shootout. and He's,
0: He saved against Jose Martinez and Kai Wagner.
1: And I think that, like, as a narrative, I found it a bit weird that after only four years in MLS, uh, MLS and... LAFC have kind of had this narrative of, like, could they finally win MLS Cup? I'm like, what? (laughs) It's not been And they were good
0: that whole time.
1: Exactly. But it's like, well, they came really close that one time, and they should have, quote-unquote, won it. So now it's, like, the monkey on their back, apparently. Which, like, hey, you run with whatever narrative you need to (laughs) put bums in seats, I guess.
0: I'm just saying, in no way could you have considered that... um you know, a long-suffering, you know, pain.
1: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, I, I think that um there were, you know, obviously questions about LAFC, and I think there's been lots of comments, and maybe I've even made some of those comments about LAFC and just buying every good player and spending huge amounts of money and doing all of that. But when you actually look at it, I I think that they've, they've made really, really good business deals, made really smart signings. And John McCarthy stepping in in such a crucial moment really demonstrates how good of a team LAFC have built and that this isn't just one player. This isn't just one star. However, those big names and stars play their role in this as well. And I think both LAFC and Philadelphia Union have proven to be two teams that know how to do a lot with uh, the money that they have and spending, not being afraid to spend money, but also doing it wisely and picking up players on free transfers and um, getting Academy products through the system. <laughs> I mean, John McCarthy is a former Philadelphia Academy player. Like, um, I just think that in another outcome if this game had come out a little bit differently, then people still could have been like, oh, well, like LAFC just got lucky or something. I'm like, I don't think they got lucky in this No, LAFC ground out a victory and thoroughly deserved that win.
0: Yes. So congratulations to them. Congratulations to John McCarthy. This is my biggest thought on all of this. You know, he, he is, he is, as noted from Philadelphia, had to play for four seasons for the union and for the, for Bethlehem steel. Um, in the, the USL which is their uh, their was their USL affiliate affiliate um, the I just think for for a substitute keeper you think of all the ones that everybody that, that that has to be ready for this kind of thing. It's like there's simply no way that you can go to that game and you know okay. the, you could wake up on the day of the MLS cup and look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, every every everyone for both teams, you know, wants to do their best, but nobody can imagine that he looked himself in the mirror in the morning and said, "I'm going to beat MLS Cup
1: MVP." <laughs> Probably not. I mean, we can't speculate as to his pregame uh, preparations, but um, yeah, I mean, it's been said a lot with the rise of guys like uh, Zach McMath and um, Brad Stuver you know, other goalkeepers that have had to sort of be journeymen around MLS and took a long time to establish themselves and get their shot. Um, and John McCarthy now amongst them. I just, yeah, it obviously speaks to how difficult of a job it is to stay fresh and ready. And yet that's the job and they're ready to do it. Um, So I think it just gives a a tremendous amount of insight to just how hard every player works so that they can come in into a moment like that and be ready for it. Um, That's absolutely right. he, like you saw the emotion, like his legs sort of gave out on him once they won because I just, (laughs) obviously the moment sort of caught up to him. But God, he he was ready for that. He didn't, I mean, being put under a lot of pressure, he looked confident.
0: It was so good, and and you know the being the first person that the, the trophy that uh, Carlos Vela ends the trophy too. Um, you can't ask for anything. You can't ask for a, for for a better experience than that, nope. um, and a, and a better performance from your your uh, your substitute. Um, the tale of the two substitutes for LAFC, both uh, McCarthy and Bale.
1: Yeah. And McCarthy arguably the more important of those well, two true. substitutes. If you're splitting hairs. I mean, not that it matters. They both played their part, but
0: I just remark at how, uh, for just, just if I could take a moment now with, to talk about the, the significance of, of this season for Bale, just this mm. idea that, you know, he was in, he had, he had been so far out of the real Madrid setup. um, we started this year with, or, or, you know, we, in, in, it wasn't it this spring that we had, um, Real Madrid won sit, uh, one La Liga and Bale stayed in the locker room and didn't go to the trophy presentation. Mm. And now this time he's putting the, putting the team into the play less than in the same calendar year. He's putting the team into the playoffs. He's, having this amazing, huge celebration because he was a part of it. He got to be a part of it. Um, And and it's just interesting to me from somebody who consistently people have said that this guy's club career is basically over, you know, when he played for Tottenham, people said, "Um, he's using you like a gym. And he Hmm. did. (laughs) And everybody was fine with it because he he has for the last two years, you know, somebody, when he was playing in, in... in Tottenham in the for Tottenham in the FA Cup and he was playing against that there was a game against some tiny team and they were playing in, in basically a back alley somewhere and the the defender said in a piece for the athletic, What are you doing here? And he said, I don't know. Just just living life. This has been his life. He's the ultimate football tourist. He just yeah. gets to get paid, go places, win trophies,
1: score in finals and why the hell wouldn't you want to? Like, it, it, it's interesting, <laughs> especially with the uh, the messy and inter-Miami rumor mill swirling yet again with seemingly legs this time, which truly anything can happen, I guess. Um, but when you think about it, you're like, yeah, like, come move to L.A., play six minutes of football, lift a trophy, get paid a crap load of money, fans love you. It's also like... You know, you probably get left alone a lot more by the media than you would anywhere in Europe. Like, who's the idiot here? <laughs>
0: like... in, in in thirteen <laughs> games, including his playoff game, he had uh, he had three hundred and seventy minutes. So he played a shade over over in those thirteen appearances, he played a shade over uh, uh, ninety minutes times four.
1: And,
0: right and and he will and he will get a ring um yeah, Chiellini will get a ring too I don't know exactly what his what his uh what his thing looks what his stat grid looks like, but
1: I think again, like Charundlo kind of made this point, and I think John Thorington did too is that like they didn't come in to be core pieces of the team in the sense of they're going to start every game. They're going to be brought in for very specific purpose, knowing that they will be able to execute. And again, you're like, well, I think both certainly did that. I mean, Chiellini wasn't like lights out good or anything, but there were moments with center back troubles for LAFC that they just needed a warm body back there that could do the job. Well, if Chiellini is an option, who <laughs> is one of the greatest center backs of all time, an option to come off the bench why wouldn't you and again if you're chiellini and you're like i can extend this for a year or two more get a decent paycheck go sit in the la sun and have people cheer my name like (laughs) you're laughing um and i i think that teams that understand that you can do that if you can get the player at the right time and at the right salary and use them in the right moments, but you don't build your team around them. And I think that's the thing that we've seen clubs struggle with, is where they're bringing a player in that's clearly past their prime and expecting them to do everything. The Bastion-Schweinsteiger signings of MLS, you know, where it's like they're going to be good if you play them all the time, but also they're not meant to be your pivot point. Like, you shouldn't build a team around a player that's about to retire. Um, But if they're going to come in as key pieces when you need them and know that you just, you can tell them what to do and they'll be like, yeah, all right, <laughs> and go do it. Like, yeah, it works. Turns out it works.
0: I, um, I feel that if you look at, um, you've one, one other, you know, piece I think that needs to be highlighted is what a good job. Gerondolo has done and, and, and overall in, in balancing this team, LAFC has always been a lot a a group that has a lot of pieces that need to be um, balanced, uh, but they've come together great as you noted. We're able to um, to get the win against Austin, a team that had had a lot of momentum, and also to get that win against LA Galaxy in the in the second round of the playoffs. Um, another game with you know multiple you know eighty minute plus goals yeah. where it's just like. Something changes, but that doesn't mean the game, play, the game plan changes. We can, we can kind of a, attempt to push through it.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that you know the criticisms that we've had of, of LAFC have, have been where they haven't been able to push through those moments, and it just kind of gets away from them. Um, they've had very few out-and-out out bad games. I think the point has just always been, like, LAFC are a beatable team. Um, not easily beatable, and certainly you have to know and be very precise about that. But
0: they um, for white caps have got to win.
1: There you go. <laughs> they couldn't beat the white caps towards the end. Um, they, they did. They did earlier, but one time they didn't. <laughs> that one time they didn't. <laughs> Look who's laughing now, oh, sad dupe. Um, overall, looking back at you know round one, the conference semis, conference finals what for you were the biggest surprises? Because for me, I feel like a lot of it kind of played out more or less as you might expect. But what what for you, what were the matches that stood out or the teams that you were kind of like surprised by either in terms of how far they went or how far they didn't go?
0: I think that um, the Austin RSL game in the first round um, in which I was actually going to mention this. You were talking about the penalty shootout in the final um, in some ways, it reminded me a lot of the Austin RSL shootout, in which, you know, things things were pretty robust throughout the match, and then um, RSL is just not able to after the 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 opening exchange. RSL is just not able to um to land a few more a few more hits. Um, the in. I think certainly other than LAFC, Austin is is among the more interesting stories of this of this year's playoff or among the two teams that made the finals, Austin is one of the more interesting stories in this year's finals and I think one of the one of the rare opportunities in which, you know, the MLS uh, the MLS averse of, of media accounts and, and various, you know, uh, pundits have been we're thinking, Oh man. I might like to see that team win instead of LAFC. My conference finals wasn't to be, Um, but the, but certainly this was their opportunity to, you know, emerge onto the stage as a major player. Um, And with the wins over RSL in Dallas, they were able to do so. Um, I, you know, that I was uh, really rallying for Montreal and they were able to get the win over Orlando pretty convincingly, um, but uh, unfortunately it wasn't to, wasn't to, wasn't to be against New York.
1: No, um, it all sort of fell apart for us at our predictions in the Eastern conference. I feel, I feel like we did pretty okay in the West <laughs> and then in the East, the, the longer it went on, the more hammered our predictions became. Um, yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I'm, as you pointed out <clears throat> at the beginning of the playoffs, uh, Montreal is obviously a huge success story from the season. They did get knocked out by New York City, I would say pretty convincingly as well, which sort of sucked to... It felt like a lot led up to that moment, and then just the, the sort of... The steam got let out a bit. But overall, <clears throat> you think... a uh, Hugely successful season for Montreal, um, and what Wilfred Nancy's been able to do there is just incredible, and you sort of feel like yeah, Montreal, along with Austin, next season, you'll be looking at two teams that, yeah, have, I think, put an you know a bit of an underline under their names in MLS, that the, these are sides that are not going to be easy to play against and have a lot of the right ingredients. Um, you know, for Montreal, they got knocked out in the conference semis. Austin made it through to the conference finals. I think both felt disappointed to not go further, and that's a really positive sign for both clubs.
0: The best other game other than MLS Cup final was Philadelphia, New York, in which, you know, New York has have had have not had the, the, the strongest season that you might expect. Um, they, they were attempting to repeat. They've had to have – they've lost their coach. They have, you know, they lost Tati Castellanos. Um, but they still looked really strong, and obviously they were strong in beating, beating Montreal. They get the lead in Philadelphia – and the next 10 minutes after that are stunning – or next 20 minutes after that are just sort of outrageous as Philadelphia scores three times in eight minutes. The, the 2005 UEFA Champions League final miracle in Istanbul was only one minute shorter. <laughs> uh, you know, like that was – yeah. obviously that was a that was that was to to get to get out of a lead but that was just a otherworldly you know stretch of play that you just like you were just like what is happening how can all of this be happening in the order and time that it's happening in
1: and a new york city fc looks so good coming into this right like they just seemed to be you know picking teams off the Easily, I mean, I don't want to say easily as a point of disrespect, but 3-0 over Inter-Miami, uh, 3-1 over Montreal. Miami may be a little bit more expected there, but we knew that they, they were coming in with a lot of momentum, obviously Montreal as well, and then to just get pummeled. <laughs> like, they fought hard, and they looked good for a good solid half, um, but Philadelphia, once they turned that Screw, as you said, like, um, you know, Carranza gets a goal, then Gazdag two minutes later, and then Corey Burke just has this, like, body check, turn, run, muscles through all the defenders, passes, ball comes back to him, and he blasts it into the net, and it's just such a, like, sheer force of will goal that kind of summed up, like, the union are inevitable, they're just going to do their thing and create chaos and score goals, um... Yeah, that was a surprising one to me as well that I I really thought New York had more in them and and they just couldn't did not go to plan. But I thought I
0: thought for Philadelphia for for New York I think that the the story for them is is fairly clear that that they tried to overcome a lot but I think they had to overcome they they, they tried to, you know, they were still quite good and we're still you know, are still a team with a lot of, you know, good, expensive players. They're still a team that that executes very well. But they had to reorient themselves midseason. And they will, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they won't be good next year after they've, you know, been able to make a couple maybe other um, changes. But this is their, uh, this is, this is, it's not hard to look in the air and wonder, what went wrong? Well, there were a lot of changes and they didn't all take in the the way that they would mm-hmm. for Philadelphia. It was because of all this and, and because of the fact that these in the final, these goals kept coming, that it was hard for me not to feel like this was their time. Um, they kept referring to the fact that, you know, Kai Wagner is probably not going to be around next year. Um, that right. Paxton Aronson is probably not going to be around next year. Um, the this is not the first time in their ascendancy that they've had to deal with that. Obviously they had to deal with Brendan Aaronson not being there. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, they will have to, with everything else of, of, of make all the other parts of making it to a final, um, and not able, not being able to, uh, you know, to, to deliver in that, in that setting even though they did so well, the they are also going to have to contend with a little bit of a refresh next season as well.
1: It's true. Um, and the, they'll be obviously bitterly disappointed to have come so far and really executed at such a high level and really played a pretty perfect season. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that the Union are a team that needs a couple of, or is going to need a couple of pieces, but probably needed them anyway. Like the, this sort of, summed it up for me as you see Kai Wagner taking one of the penalties and missing. And I'm just like, I mean, as good as he is, there's a lot of inexperience taking these penalties. And (laughs) like, if this is the thing that's going to decide the big thing, I think you need a little bit more um, experience on your side. And, you know, obviously Philadelphia has great strikers, but I, th- I think that's still an area they could improve it in as well um, because they do so well when they just run down the throats of opponents and create chaos in the box. They're able to do that and then score goals by committee, but you feel like with, um, you know, an- another properly placed striker at a-, a very high level, they could really, really be even more indomitable um, and maybe get the business done. So is I don't it, think they're going to be feeling too great about how the season ended, but everything kind of went pretty perfectly up until the those penalty kicks.
0: Is this going to be um, a year like Portland have where, where it was challenging to to recover after um, sort of to, to, to recover from the, the hangover of going to the final? Or is this going to be a Toronto FC in 2016-17 situation where they just come out and they said, okay, I'm very mad about this. I'm going to show it to you all.
1: Well, I kind of feel like this was that year for them, right? Like, they suffered horrendously losing so many players to health protocols last year that really ended that playoff run for them that really felt like they were... You know, if not the best team, very close to, and had a good chance of winning the final. I don't know. I, I mean, as ever, like there's just so many teams now, and it's just so hard to tell what moves are going to happen that's all of a sudden going to make a team that wasn't a factor this season a factor next season. I feel like for Philadelphia, they know how to transition new players in through the pipeline. They don't change the system, so all the players who would be stepping in to fill in for the players that you mentioned who might be on their way out, they know where they need to slot in. Um, as ever, it's can the union improve upon not just what they built this year, but improve in relation to all the other teams that are also going to be uh, looking to add players. It's a lot of momentum to, su- to sustain. Um, I think the union probably have the right pieces in their club and the structure to do it. But it could be that, yeah, next season for them, they, they may be... I, I think it's hard to imagine them not in the playoffs, but um, back to the final again, they are going to have a lot of work to do to, to get there.
0: I think if you look at it as a multi-year project and you, you think about it, I think that, that in looking at these last three seasons for Philadelphia, you can look at it as like, oh man, this is our time. Oh, we've learned a lesson and we're going to go back and win next year. Oh, it didn't happen. (laughs) Or whatever, right? Like like those, obviously it feels disappointing if you look at it from that perspective. But I think that if you look at it from the perspective of like, obviously being the supporter shield champions and then um, losing in the first round, you've got to think we've got to be able to progress to the next level we can have this level of success in the regular season and I think that this is clear evidence that they have done that I think that they can clearly look and and say that they have been able to to push to that next level and 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 this can be seen if you if you frame it as a you know as a as a clear sign of progress for this club I think that that hopefully can be Something that is a is a game feels like a boon and not mm-hmm. another
1: disappointment. Yeah, yeah, and like it's not a thing uh, a lot of teams do. I mean, I mean, obviously, just by the math of it, not a lot of teams make it to the final. But to be so consistently good and to sort of establish them at a certain level, I, I think that 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 always bodes well. Um, and there's nothing to me that suggests we need to worry about that position.
0: Um, um, that is it for, that's it for the season.
1: Yeah. That's a, another, that's in the chapter closed on the 2022 MLS season, which, uh, <laughs> as ever, it feels like we just kick off and then we're sitting here talking about the final and the fact that there's going to be uh no more MLS for a bit.
0: The fastest, the fastest summer in history. You can, it always feels like this and it doesn't, it doesn't just feel like this for this reason, but yeah. Um, we had the uh, the MVP was crowned on on November first. Hanif Mukhtar of Nashville Nashville has been named the 2022 Landon Donovan Most Valuable Player.
1: Yeah, well deserved as well. I think uh, there was lots of healthy discussion, but it sort of felt like, in terms of a player's influence on a team, it's hard to overlook Mukhtar.
0: Won the Golden Boot with 23 goals and got the the additional. Um, got the additional hardware to point it out. Yep. Um, I heard so. Do you think that he's going to? Do you think they're going to put him in the national team? Mm,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> Although the way national team lineups are going and injuries are happening, because we're playing a World Cup in November, uh, you never say never.
0: What are Could... some of your? We 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 should do some awards this year so we don't have to we don't have to wish we don't have to rush um, so quickly but but from this year what is what is something that you um, an impression you're left with or a lesson you think we've learned
1: I think a lesson that we learn a lot um, it seems to depend greatly on who the lesson applies to but is if you can't do it in the 90s, you're going to get punished. Um, yes. and although that was tested greatly today by Philadelphia union, when you're playing an away game in a final, um, it behooves you to try to get it done in the 90. And there was clearly uh, a couple of moments of just a bit of lapsed, uh, focus or, or whatever that saw LAFC establish some dominance into it. And it was a great to fight back, but, uh, it's really hard to maintain that over a hundred and twenty plus, or a hundred and thirty minutes, as this case was, plus then PKs. I, I mean, I don't know. It was a very MLS season to me. Like you know, it was <laughs> the season lived up to our podcast name. There was uh-huh. just so many different wild results. I, I guess one thing that I, I think we are beginning to see is like as much as the league continues to be very competitive, I think there are is an emergent group of five or six teams that really are a step above the others. And I think those five or six teams are all the ones that went furthest in the playoffs um, as just being of a quality that when it really matters, um, they're able to pick up enough points to get themselves into the playoffs comfortably and then do the business and dispatch their opponents and it will be interesting to see next season if those same teams are all kind of locking into the same spots and uh if it will be teams scrapping it out for sort of fourth fifth and sixth i guess seventh two uh playoff spots um yeah i don't know i mean i feel like it's a very broad observation but that's the one that's immediately coming to mind what about you
0: well certainly as you mentioned that kind of the the settling. people always talk about parity Um, certainly there are clubs I think that you would if you were thinking if you were you know asked to name perennial contenders you would consider Atlanta Toronto and Seattle among those who utterly were nowhere to be found Sure. Um, so there is a certain amount of of recycling that goes on but you know Don Garber was on at halftime and uh, was asked as he always must be about expansion Um, and this is was he batted away quickly because you know there's it's a lot of teams in this league now and and simultaneously I don't necessarily think I want to see there was there's been some discussion about trying to have like a like a like a world cup style playoffs I think that that is a bad idea so um, stupid but when you talk about these the how many teams there are, I think that there is a real crush with the set with the the playoff line being at 7 mm-hmm. where um if you talk about come back into the playoffs who uh, in in the west who loses out does Nashville who just had the MVP named on their team lose out does does Minnesota mm-hmm. or Salt Lake miss out like the i don't necessarily mean that they shouldn't participate but i mean or I, I don't think this is a positive or a negative, because on one hand, obviously the 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 playoffs benefited from both of their those teams' presences, um, but it the mm-hmm. I also think it's to the league's benefit that good teams mess out. Or to put a finer point on it, like valuable teams who aren't necessarily connecting every year miss out. I think that that is. I think you really did get the best of the best in this year's um, playoff competitors
1: yeah yep no I agree. I think uh, another thing just to watch for next season I' remember this and bring it up next time but um, it did it, except in the West because Real Salt Lake squeaked into the playoffs with 47 points it takes 47 or 48 points now to get into the playoffs so you know every year that's getting <laughs> a little bit more challenging. Um, obviously, it does depend on all, everybody else's performances as well, but that's a pretty still high bar to hit. Um, you know, I'm roughly just kind of looking at it here. Like, it's usually around at least 12 or 13 wins. And, you know, out of 34 games, that's not a, t- a huge win ratio, but it really means that you can't spend a lot of the season fucking around trying to find your rhythm. Um, as we saw from a lot of clubs that eventually did hit good streaks, it was just kind of too late. And I think that's just going to become more and more the case, that, um, you know, if you have a stretch of five or seven games that you're not getting points in, it's going to be very, very, very difficult to actually make that up.
0: Yeah, I think that that is definitely going to be... We saw a bunch of teams make big mid-season moves um, and it didn't... I mean, New York City continued to make the playoffs, but, um, you know, I don't think that there's anyone here where you, you could look at them and you could say, oh, they signed X player and then they got really good. You know, the... Mm-hmm. the, the there used to be this feeling and this was the feeling behind some of Toronto's moves that you could sign someone... And have them start in July and maybe that will be fine yeah and you know it's going to that's going to be a different team with a full preseason season behind them and, and all the, the 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 pieces in place that's going to be uh, it's going to be different for them and it's going to we're going to hopefully be able to see a different result um, than than table position wise uh, from what we saw and in some of this when you talk about like you know you can't slip that much. Um, next year, there's going to be a break for the League's Cup.
1: Mm, so,
0: right. uh, which in which every MLS team will compete. So, in addition to tournaments like the Canadian Championship with the U.S. Open Cup, um, if you don't have a particularly good regular season, um, I suppose there will be an opportunity for you to, uh, to, to stamp your mark on... Thing on the soccer world in another way
1: yeah i wonder with all that too though like as we're already seeing what injuries start to play a role in all of that and and just needing you know squads really needing a lot of depth to to be able to just compete even even with the breaks um you know there's a lot of travel thrown into that you're playing teams that you're not necessarily familiar with um different pitches like it happens right so I think that that will be a thing I have my eye on next season as well. Is just what's the the physical toll of of just so many games on players? Because as we've seen, that can be a huge factor for teams. Can certainly be the difference between making the playoffs and not. Right.
0: To talk about this this a little more about this playoff proposal, um, the which was leaked. I had to double check that I what exactly the source is on that. Um, but the uh, the idea is to have like groups, like MLS playoff group stages, with with a certain amount of games, and like I think that the idea here is that the one off playoff, the one off playoffs, have been exciting, but there's not that many games, or they don't they they are rushed through. Um, so how can we include? How can we include a, a re- increase a couple more playoff games? I think that. If you want to have more games, either go back to double eggs, even if people complain about the the excitement amount, or add more teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this uh, this idea that has been that has been put forth?
1: I guess on some level, I understand what they're trying to do, but the cynic in me is like, well. You, I mean, now that you have the audience, now that you have the new Apple deal, like, you just want more games. Um, but I feel like they keep making these decisions and then afterwards sort of asking players how to respond to it, rather than, like, is this right for the players? <laughs> like, it just... it. I mean, I don't think there's any illusions about soccer players being treated kind of like products, but at a certain point, you kind of have to wonder, like, can we not just enjoy the product that we have? Like, we've got 34 games, that's a lot, that's enough. Um, the playoffs already, I feel like, are still fairly long, you know? It's not like there's only a couple of games and then they're out. Um, I'm honestly quite happy with the way it is. I, I think I initially had some hesitation that it would just be the single round knockouts, and I get that, that, can sometimes seem unfair depending on the seating but also i just don't think we need to be playing uh playoffs for six weeks you know (laughs) not that that's the proposal but i feel like it's long enough it doesn't need to be longer we don't need more games uh that's a good i don't know that what like what does it add other than just more games more ad time continuously
0: each year because of various scheduling things in and outside, inside and outside of the league's control. They're always trying to squeeze the playoffs in before things freeze in North America. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, this is the, the, this is the, the trade-off that you would have to do. Um, the other big change, the other two big changes for next season, uh, is that there is going to be an expansion team, St. Louis city.
1: Right. Right.
0: So there will be an expansion draft um, and uh, also the um, Apple deal right. will take off, which will have a massive effect on how people take in this league, including on scheduling.
1: You also made a, a funny point about how uh, TSN <laughs> decided to sign off their tenure broadcasting MLS.
0: 11 years. 11 years – I'm not necessarily saying that they had to have a big panel discussion. I know that they had other stuff happening and, and I know that they were carrying the broadcast as opposed to doing their own broadcast. But the fact that they hand John McCarthy a trophy, he raises it in the air and he turns to his, his, his teammate. And you can't even see who it is because now all of a sudden we're watching college football and they just, just bleep yeah. it out. And that's, that's uh that's that's it after 11 years of of a love-hate relationship.
1: Yeah, mostly hate. Um <laughs> Yeah, what a way to what a way to go out. Um so obviously we'll keep folks posted there as we learn more about exactly what all of that looks like, but I mean it's hard to feel like, you know, given just the issues with TSN, ESPN, Fox, all of it, like, I hope there's nowhere to go but up, right? Um, and hopefully some of that scheduling stuff as well, the powers that, that, that be at Apple seem to have been able to provide a bit more of like a, okay, <laughs> we can have midweek games sometimes, but not all the time. Um, so we'll see how all of that shakes out. But of course, it will be a very different... Uh, I'm assuming look and feel next year and, and different experience for many people watching. Um, but it, it's hard to imagine more frustration than we've been experiencing. And it, it also feels hear... like it's at the time where it's like, it's, it has to be expanded to a network that actually cares about soccer and wants to see MLS grow.
0: Are we going to hear Alexi Lawless as he did um, in the halftime show uh... Are we going to – is Apple going to pay Alexia Lawless to say the word set-piece orgy? <laughs>
1: uh, I hope not. I hope not. I, the <laughs> I don't have a lot of faith, but we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out.
0: Um, elsewhere, uh, the other big news in, in one that I think people had, had people clutching their legs as well uh, in Canada – um, Alphonso Davies came out of the Bayern Munich game with a hamstring hobble. Yeah. That's, uh, we're getting pretty close to the World Cup for this kind of thing to be happening.
1: I saw the news, <coughs> excuse me, I saw the news and I purposely, like, just chose not to even process it in my brain and just be like, until there's official word of what grade of, like, strain it is, I just don't even want to know and I'm just going to pretend, like, I'll be back. But That's a good point. Uh, and our, and
0: um, yeah. your friend of mine, uh, Isabel Ferreira said, we won without them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, true.
0: Or not, or not we won without them, but, but obviously we... Uh,
1: we would prefer to have Davies, and we've succeeded without him in the past.
0: So, fingers crossed, we would, we, <laughs> like, this would not be the end, but, you know, obviously that's such a... A, a valuable piece. We would love to see him involved in some capacity. There has been some discussion of the idea that, that in some way, this is a preamble for the next world cup in which will be hosted in part in Canada. But, but it can not only be that um, there has to, this will be the first experience for a lot of people. And obviously super sad for Maxine Cropot. Yeah. Um, to, to miss that. And, and he would have been, you know present in in as a probably the number two in the setup um but probably would have played a game as it is we will probably see uh the inclusion of Dean Sinclair at least hmm um so I guess the that's where that's where in some ways the attention moves to now
1: yeah the, On the, I mean, of the world Cup. S- and Sinclair's coming off a, a playoff run so like you know he's that's true. He's game ready. He's seen some some MLS playoff uh, action and I think has, has proven his worth. Um, elsewhere, of course, we had PL wrap up. Uh, Atletico and Forge. Last weekend, I think there was a bit of controversy in that one. Forge won 2-0. And then, of course, we had the NWSL final. Portland Thorns overpowering. Wait, No. Who won that one? Yeah. Yes. That yeah, was that, yeah, yeah. That was the thorn. Sorry. I let's, just had a let's, moment let's of like, talk, I didn't have the score in front of me and I was like, that's right. Right.
0: Let's just give the the Atletico forge thing a quick, uh, a quick chat. So this was, this was, you know, Atletico Ottawa had been able to, had had a, a really good regular season and they were hosting at home. Um, so you would love to see, you would have loved to see something and in, in see the city, be able to um, to capitalize on that, but um, you know, Forge was able to get the uh, Forge was able to get the win. Um, Hojabrapur was uh, got the uh, got the second goal. You know, you can kind of say um, you could kind of say that they they lost against Pacific and then went out and, and collected their best player. You know, the the league's the yeah. league's favorite team. Hmm. I'm trying to remember I did see this game, but I'm trying to remember what the what the controversy was.
1: Uh I feel I feel like it might have been a shout for a red card, but I can't remember because of course now my notes just says controversy in the Forge game, I believe.
0: <laughs> it's so hard to and it's so hard to uh find these things On uh, when a lot of it is is league is the league owned media. Sometimes it's hard to.
1: Yeah, you you don't you don't always get the uh, the after effects of some of the coming together's in the highlight reels. But um, regardless, obviously a you know big win for the Forge for Forge, um, not the Forge. And
0: and it is uh, um. It was Portland taking the uh, the NWSL championship. Sophia Smith with an amazing goal. Yeah, four minutes very in. Early
1: in, just making a point of it. Kansas City knocked out. I mean, Kansas City had a hell of a run to get there, um, and then there's a unfortunate own goal in the 56th minute as well to see them go through. But uh, emphatic win for Portland. Another one for them. Um, another good season and uh, a wrap on sort of all three uh, North American leagues. Well, I guess we didn't talk about USL, but we almost never do. So <laughs> presumably um, that wrapped up elsewhere as well.
0: The so I guess we now look to you know the various drafts. We look to, to the World Cup. The notion of whether or not we're going to watch the World Cup. Um, But, but uh, one way or another, there will be things to, uh, to look at and think and think about Uh, this, this is, this will be one of those, one of those years where the soccer definitely stop in, uh, in November.
1: No. Yeah, it's, uh, there's lots more to come.
0: And until we speak next, um, where can we find you online?
1: You can find me online on Instagram. Uh, that's so mls and uh, apple podcasts and wherever you find find podcasts also that's so mls.com where can we find you
0: you can find me on twitter at team bates wwwteam you can also find me from time to time at the g forbes Elliott athletic center uh Woo! doing um stadium commentary at unb st john heck yeah and
1: you know if you're in the neighborhood
0: one, one more time here for MLS Cup. A sad dupe. Some sad dupe noises.
1: Do do Don't get sent off.